Good morning, my name is Mitch and welcome to my home. This is our uh, edition of First United Methodist Church Extreme Home version as we as we gather together with friends and family as we shelter in place, um, gather together in our homes using the great invention of the internet and the technology to be together with one another with drones and Nerf guns at home with your children for long periods of time or home alone. If you're feeling lonely, depressed, full of anxiety, some of the others of us are too. Take this opportunity to bring those feelings, those emotions, bring them here, bring them to this place, to this space, to lay them at the foot of Jesus and turn all things over to him. He has what we need and let's use this opportunity to gather together, to silence the noise and become one with other believers in Christ. This morning I invite you to this place of worship, this place of learning, this place of teaching, this place of calm. As we uh, calm down what's going on around here, and I'll hand it over to our worship leaders to take it from there.
church family, would you join me in our Apostles' Creed? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our holy and gracious God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for being our God and all the blessings that you pour down upon us. The blessing of modern technology so that we can be together as a church in our separate homes, but together in one worship. The blessing of food and water and shelter, Lord, something that not everyone in the world has. Lord, we lift up to you those in need, those who are experiencing illness, grief, addiction, brokenness. Lord, even though our focus right now, the focus of this, our world is on the coronavirus, life goes on and things happen. You know what's going on with each one of us. We just give that to you today. We lay it at the foot of the cross as we open our ears and our hearts to hear your word. Together, Lord, we pray the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hi friends, my name is Adam and I'm the senior pastor at First United Methodist Church. Welcome to my living room. I'm so glad you all are joining us online. I think it is vital that we continue to worship God, that we continue to connect with each other in ways that are a little new for all of us. I hope that this worship service brings you a sense of hope and encouragement. This month, we've seen a lot of our normal routines disrupted and our connections to one another severed. So how do we keep going? When I was in high school, I was in a band, and not just any kind of band, a Christian band, the best kind, that's right. And we were playing uh, an evening of worship at First Baptist Church, Cape Girardeau. And I remember very clearly setting up during sound check, and I played electric guitar, and so I was getting my amp all dialed in, and uh, an individual came over and let me know her displeasure with the volume amount that I was projecting through this electric guitar. I said, okay, turn it down a little bit. How's that? She, and, and she literally made this face. She covered up her ears and went like this. Never a good thing. I said, all right, turn it down a little bit more. And then I, I looked at her as only a 17 year old could and said, how's that? Same thing, went like this. Finally, in exasperation, I ripped out the plug from my guitar and just started playing it with no amplification at all. And she said, that's a lot more like it. Friends, it's hard to be successful when you're separated from your source, right? Without the source you're depending on, it's going to be a tough go. This is the message of Jesus 
This is what he has for us in John chapter 15, that he is our source of love, joy, and life. In John 15, Jesus is kind of winding down the story for his disciples. He's giving them some of his parting words. He's encouraging them and he gives them a picture of what a relationship with him can look like. And it's my hope that this message, these words of Jesus can be as encouraging for us as they were to the disciples who originally heard them. So we're going to continue our series on the I am statements of Jesus. We've been looking at the seven different times in the book of John that Jesus says, I am for these seven weeks leading up to Easter. You know, it occurred to me with everything going on to maybe shift our series or talk about something else. But I figured, well, we'll talk about Jesus either way. So we're going to keep pressing on. Does that sound good? So our scripture today comes from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So there's a lot for us to unpack there. But did you notice there were some of the same words that repeated over and over? Vine or branch is used 10 times. Abide is used 11 times. And fruit is is used six times. This is one of the methods that we can use to kind of discern the meaning of a passage. What are the major themes? What are the words that are repeated a lot? And, and in the graphic, I hope you saw that there's a few of these that stick out. Jesus compares himself to a vine and the word of God to a vine grower pruning branches. He says that we should abide in him. Now, that's not a word I use all the time. Maybe quoting a classic movie, The Dude Abides. But, but what does it mean to abide? What, what kind of fruit is, is Jesus wanting us to grow? To me, the crucial questions for this passage are, what does it mean to be pruned? What does it mean to abide in Christ? And what does it mean to bear fruit? So we get our I am statement right at the beginning of our text. John 15, 1, I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. Jesus is using the imagery of a vineyard where wine grapes are grown. Now, I got to be honest. I'm not a wine guy. I'm just not cultured enough, right? I, I'd just as easily be happy with a mango unsweet tea from Quick Trip, right? A, a few years ago, I was at a buddy's wedding and his father-in-law, big wine guy. And, and I felt bad because it was totally wasted on me. He was bringing out these crazy bottles of wine. They didn't even have labels on them. That's how nice they were. They were from like the 60s. And he'd describe, oh, this is a port and... Oh, it made me feel important. I, I, I don't even know what it all meant. Like I said, totally wasted on me. But it was fascinating to listen to 
uh, the father of the bride describe all the intricate things about wine and how the grapes are grown and the entire process and how that results in different types of wine. It, it was great to listen to. There's a ton that goes into it. Grape vines that produce wine are pruned in late winter or very early spring so that the vine is healthy and will produce a good crop. Pruning is the process of cutting away parts of the plant in order for that very plant to bear even more fruit. And Jesus goes on to describe that in verses two and three. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed or pruned by the word I have spoken to you. In pruning, parts of the plant are removed in order to make the branches healthier. The less branches there are, the, the less work the plant has to do in order to produce fruit. More fruit can be produced from a plant that's pruned. Try and say that three times fast. God wants to prune us. God wants to remove the dead weight in our lives in order to claim the type of life that God has for us. This process is not fun. And so the question is, what does it mean to be pruned? Now, I want to treat this question with great sensitivity because I don't think every bad thing in your life that happens is the result of God trying to teach you a lesson. During this entire epidemic, I've, I've seen a lot of pretty bad theology going around online. Right? I, I saw one that, that said that uh, it was comparing the coronavirus to the plagues of Egypt and that God was sending these uh, to our society because we had replaced our love of God with idols. And so God was taking away sports and God was taking away entertainment. God was affecting the economy because these have become our idols. You know, to me, this is nonsense. The concept that, that God would want thousands of people to die to get you to watch less Royals games. I mean, when I say that, it just sounds ridiculous. And, and it's also egotistical, right? As if, as if we are, uh, as an individual, the center of the world and, and, and God would, would affect the lives of thousands of people, untold amounts around the world in order for us to learn a lesson. No, 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 friends. Now there's a difference between God causing something and God allowing something. And why God would allow things like COVID-19, well, that's another sermon altogether. But wait, do you smell that? It's our next sermon series. So stay tuned. Let me say again, very plainly, I don't believe that every problem in your life is God trying to teach you a lesson. But at the same time, when I think about my life, I can identify some areas I had to cut out. There needed to be some pruning that happened in my own heart. You know, I don't describe things as gay or retarded like I did when I was 14. They had to go. I had a long and illustrious Xbox and video game career for a long part of my life. But when I entered into seminary, grad school, when, when I started having kids, had to retire. Now, it's coming back around because my kid got a switch for Christmas. But for the most part, I had to give that up, had to be pruned away. But, but you know, I, I used to be able to, to, to tell you, and I'm sorry about this, I used to be able to tell you where the Cardinals were at in the NL Central standings. Now, I got no idea. Right. It just some things eventually had to take priority in my life over some other stuff. But more than just vocabulary or hobbies, how do we tell when God has been pruning things from our life? My experience has been that sometimes 
God's pruning is only confirmed retroactively. Sometimes it's only when you look behind you, when you look back, that you can see God at work. So in the midst of quarantine and in order to stay at home, what disruptions might end up looking like pruning? But if you're like me, it, it, you know, it's, it's like I've never felt busier and had less to show for it. And, and so, so maybe part of the pruning that can be taking place is this instinct of ours and this habit just to rush from one thing to the next and not take time to be grateful for the things we do possess. Maybe another thing that can be pruned as we reflect on, on what has been forced out of our hands is that when all this is over, we have some things that we don't need to pick up again. Pruning is a painful process, but Jesus says that pruning is just one step in the process of bearing fruit. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And so here it comes again. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So what does it mean to abide? Other translations uh, use the word remain or stay. I, I found that helpful. The Greek in this sense means that to abide has an active quality to it. It's, it's something you intentionally choose. It's something uh, that it's, it's a choice you make. All right, one of the things we can do to have Jesus abide with us, one of the things we can do to abide with Jesus is to treasure his words, to be familiar with them, to read them, to call them to mind whenever we need strength or encouragement. The vine and the branches are connected and this is what Jesus desires in our relationship with him. All of those crazy things happening with the pandemic have caused so many things to change so rapidly. Even between the time I record this and when you see it, something else may be way different. I don't know. So if you're wondering how to stay connected to Jesus during all this, I want to encourage you because you're already doing it. Even by committing time to worship as you watch this experience, you're choosing to abide in Jesus. When we continue to invest time in Jesus' word, when we continue to, to, to try and have our faith be an anchor, we're abiding in Jesus. To abide is to remain. And so even when it's hard, when you don't throw in the towel on your faith, you're abiding with Christ. When we abide, we remember that everything we have comes from God and that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. That phrase, that verse has kind of haunted me these past couple of days because that's a pretty definitive statement. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Not, not a little bit, not something. You can do nothing. Part of what this epidemic has shown us is just how fragile life is. And all these things we think are so dependable, all these institutions are very, very frail. So there's a simple thing I invite you to try to abide in Christ during this whole episode, during this season. At 7 p.m. every night, I invite you to join me and other churches in Kearney to pray. 
7 p.m. That's 1,900 hours. We're going to pray every night for COVID-19 at 1,900 hours. This is just something. This is a hill I'm prepared to ascend. This is something I, I, we are making a priority in my family, and I invite you to do the same. We're going to be posting prayers every night to our Facebook page at 7 p.m. In our weekly newsletter, I, I, we put in a guide for prayer that I hope you'll join us and use. Pray every night for God to be at work in this process, whether through his miraculous activity or through the wisdom of health professionals to fight against this deadly virus that is plaguing our world. I hope you'll take the opportunity every night at seven o'clock, I'm gonna say it 12 times, seven o'clock, seven o'clock, seven o'clock, to pause whatever you're doing and to pray, to abide with Christ in the midst of everything going on. This is one way we can stay connected to God and this is something we can do in solidarity together since for now it's best that we're apart. Now, verse seven, we also need to treat very, very carefully. Ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. A lot of damage has been done to, to good people who have been told, well, if you didn't get what you asked for, you must not have enough faith. So we need to treat this very delicately. That if you just had enough faith, then God would do exactly what you're asking if you're truly abiding in Jesus, then the things that you are asking for will align with what Jesus commands. Verse 7 and verse 8 are connected. Jesus said, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. This concept of abiding, for me, can, can be a little hard to describe. It can be a little vague. And yet, if we're truly abiding in Christ... There's going to be an external component to it. There's going to be something verifiable that comes as a result of abiding with Christ. And that's what Jesus describes when he says that we are to bear much fruit. If we're abiding in Jesus, then whatever we're asking God to do will be things that glorify God, things that help us bear fruit. So then the question is, what does it mean to bear fruit? If a vine grower has been growing and tending grapes all season, eventually that leads to a harvest. The fruit produced by God is described very famously in the New Testament letter of Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There, there is no law against such things. Who doesn't want more of this in their life? Anybody hear, hear about the concept of getting more love or more peace or more kindness and be like, mm, no, I'm good. No way. Has anyone ever been offended because someone was too generous? No. There is no law against such things. Friends, we are pruned to produce fruit. These are the things that should define the life of a Christian, a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Notice what isn't listed among them. Fear. Fear ain't a fruit of the Spirit. Now, we can't control how we feel. And this is a very scary time, but fear doesn't help us abide in Christ. Fear doesn't make us more loving. It makes us withhold love out of self-preservation because we're fearful. Fear makes us lose self-control and start hoarding things when we go to the store because we're afraid we'll run out and we won't have enough, that we won't have what we need. Fear erodes at our faithfulness because we can't imagine how we're ever going to recover 
in this economy. None of those things are fruits of the Spirit. So don't let fear wreck how far God has brought you, friends. Don't let fear prevent you from abiding in God's love, especially in this difficult time. Verses 9 through 11 in John 15 say, As the Father has loved me, Jesus says, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Ultimately, fear robs us of the joy God desires for us. I would encourage you by saying that two things can be true. Your world can be upside down and you can have joy. Me and my son have made a habit of making these goofy Facebook videos every night. It's just something something silly to look forward to in the midst of trying to both work from home and also homeschool our kid and also, you know, take care of our almost three-year-old. I mean, I don't have to describe a lot of this to a lot of you. But in the midst of all that chaos, we can still find some joy. All right, don't let fear rob you of joy. Things are evolving so fast that it's been hard to keep up with. This epidemic is affecting every aspect of our society. There are families all over the place. Their loved ones are dying. And because of what's going on, they can't celebrate a funeral. We had someone from our church pass away last week. It's been very, very hard because there's, there's, there's no closure because of everything going on. But no one quite knows what the next step is. It's been so disruptive. And yet before our dear friend passed, when we could still go visit in the hospital, I was able to help him celebrate his baptism. We did that there in his bed. Before uh, he was entering his, his last hours, his family gathered around and they had one last family barbecue just like he wanted. Even in the midst of great grief, they still had joy. There's been mothers who, who are either... Uh, just had a child or, or they're about to have a child, they're pregnant and they are terrified. And yet in the midst of all this chaos, in the midst of quarantine, in the midst of the rightful obsession over their baby's safety, they can still celebrate that little bundle of joy. We have friends here at church, Nicole and Kurt, they were supposed to get married in April. Well, then everything started going down and they pushed that off to September. Well, last Sunday, a week ago, they decided to get married Monday, the next day. And so they gathered a small group of family, they slapped on some masks, and they had them a ceremony. Now, how painful and frustrating would it be to have, have to push aside all those plans you spent a lot of time and probably a lot of money making, and yet the most important thing still took place. They were married in the sight of God. They still have joy. Friends, even in the midst of grief, even in the midst of frustration, we can still have joy. Fear is not a fruit of the Spirit. An electric guitar doesn't make any music when it's not plugged in. A grape doesn't grow any fruit when it's cut off from the vine. And neither will we apart from Christ. Friends, even in a scary and unknown time, in a painful time, don't let fear prevent you from possessing the joy of abiding in Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this chance to be together, even online, virtually. 
God, we're very aware, we're acutely aware of our deep need for you. The, the pain that this epidemic has caused on so many levels is beyond my ability to describe. And so we're asking that you would move in our community, in our state, in our country, and around the world to help bring healing, that those who are sick could be well, those, those who are scared could be comforted, and that we could all get back to, to the type of life that you've called us to, that we could see prosperity and, and we could see a, a healthy routine return. God, be near in these hard moments, especially when our, when our faith is fleeting. Help us to abide in you. And in the midst of all the unknowns, help us to look to you to possess the joy that you desire for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said all across the internet, amen. Friends, it's Adam again here with you. I thought I would change my wardrobe up a little bit. As a part of worship, we have the opportunity to be generous and to give. Just because we're not gathering in person as a church doesn't mean that the church's work doesn't continue. Our mission uh, still goes on. We've had a couple folks ask, and so I want to let you know that we have three different ways to give. If you are used to mailing in a check or putting a check in the plate on Sundays, that's great. You can still mail those to the church, and we will receive those. You can give online at our website, www.carney.church. And a new feature we're debuting is text giving. To give via text, text the word GIVE to 816-354-1760. Immediately, you will get a link on your phone to go and set up your account. Then you'll choose what campus you attend, how much your amount is, as well as your payment information. Then hit send and you've given via text. Now, the next time you want to give via text, now you've already set up your account. All you have to do is text what amount to 816-354-1760. If you have any questions about text giving, reach out to office at carneyfumc.org. Friends, thank you so much for your generosity and may God use these gifts and multiply them so that more and more people could come to know the saving love of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now if you'll join in singing hymn 451, Be Thou My Vision.
Hey, thanks again for joining with us in worship this morning. On behalf of myself and the rest of the staff at First United Methodist Church, I want to invite you to continue in prayer with us. We've uh, decided to pray every evening at 7 p.m. with the rest of the Christian community here in Kearney for our community and for all those involved and affected by the COVID-19 crisis. So set an alarm on your phone for 7 p.m. every evening and join with us in your home in prayer for our community and everyone affected. Until next week, with love, God bless.